When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal Or measure them all by box office appeal But for once in your life Be real! Welcome one and all to a movie reviewing reappraising genre hopping podcast on the Playlist Podcast Network This is Be Real, my name is Chance Solem Pfeiffer and I'm Noah Ballard. Buddy, we are here today to discuss the career of Bollywood legend and Hollywood character actor Irfan Khan. He passed away on April 29th, tragically at the age of 53, of a rare colon disease. If the name Irfan Khan does immediately mean something to you, we're going to talk about some of his most famous movies today. If it doesn't, we're going to tell you why you should know more. I was trying to think like how I how I knew him in my mind and I think it's really just from like little bit parts in movies by directors I like uh such as he's like a nameless father in Darjeeling Limited which is a Wes Anderson movie mm-hmm. and he of course like has a sort of he gives life to an interesting if small part in the Jurassic World I'm on a similar page as you that the majority of our audience probably does not know the vast majority of his work, which we're going to jump. We're going to talk about his Indian films today. Most American audiences know Irfan Khan as say the, the incredulous police captain and slumdog millionaire. He plays, which we of course talked about some months ago. Indeed. He plays like a hollowed out emotionally version of Pi in life of Pi. Um, And yeah, he plays the sort of debonair era, heir to john hammond in jurassic world whichever way you like that part um but for when he when he died last month it kind of became clear that was only a sliver of a picture to an industry in india that produces more movies than america seen by more people than american films um, for sure he was an icon as respected as daniel day lewis and seemingly as beloved widely beloved as a tom hanks yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he's got 151 credits in his 50s, which is nuts. Right. Compared to like an American actor. Um, Indeed. But yeah, he was just in a lot of things. So today we're diving into three of Irfan Khan's most significant Bollywood titles. Uh, the Lunchbox, Piku, and Ponsang Tomar. They, they run the gamut from uh, biopic to understated romance to nearly madcap comedy. So to get a little context for this, we're going to start today's show with a conversation with the writer Malika Rao, who wrote a wonderful remembrance of Irfan Khan for Vulture about a week back. Um, And if you do know his work, I think her perspective will be pretty rewarding as well. So why don't we hear from her and then we'll come back and talk about the specifically a bunch of the movies that she 
mentions. Do you label yourself? How do you see yourself? Are you Hollywood or Bollywood? <laughs> I don't see myself as one, uh, you know, I'm just, I just see myself as an actor and I just want to engage the whole world. So it can be Bollywood, Hollywood, Tollywood, Collywood, whatever <laughs> word. You know, I would love to. She is a writer of essays, features, and fiction with work appearing in places like The Atlantic, The New York Times, and Catapult. This past week, she remembered the late Irfan Khan in a detailed and wonderful piece on Vulture, and she's kind enough to come talk to us more about him today. Molly Corral, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chance. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to happy to talk to you about this this stellar career and a and a great uh, a great remembrance that you wrote. Um, let me start here. So I just sort of found myself wondering this week if in you writing this piece about Irfan Khan, if you kind of maybe unwittingly opened yourself up at all to sort of field other people's remembrances of him. Did other people kind of contact you and respond to the to the story you wrote in the next week? Yeah. Um, an editor reached out who I had worked with previously, and we talked for at length about Irfan Khan, actually, um, at work and just how mesmerizing he, he was and is on screen. Um, and I, I, I had mentioned to her this comment that my uncle had made that he wasn't handsome. And we, we both thought that was so odd because he, to us, he was like, you know, the sex people's sexiest man alive. Um, after that conversation, um, my family sort of adopted this movie Piku as one of our favorite movies. Um, and I had been wanting to write something about Piku actually for a while because it's, I think, a very under-discussed um, Bollywood movie. And kind of in this line of Bollywood movies that are that go against maybe what a, a stereotypical sense of, of a Bollywood movie is, um, The Lunchbox, which Irfan Khan is also in, that is another, I would say it's kind of in the same um, category of movie. But, um, so yeah, I'd been wanting to write about Piku. And when this editor reached out to me, I thought, you know, this is, I would love to sort of merge those two tributes, um, mm -hmm. both to Piku, the movie and to Irfan Khan. And, um, and so, yeah, the, the responses I've been getting have not only been about him, but also about the movie. It's been really, I mean, he's someone who I think he's that kind of actor who, you feel like you're having a very intimate personal connection with him and that no one else is feeling it as deeply as you are. He has that kind of quality. So I think for a lot of people, what his death brought out was this sense of, you know, a very personal loss. And then a lot of what I got was this, oh my gosh, I didn't know, you know, everyone felt this way, um, but I'm feeling so much and it's so good to share in that. Yeah. What is it about the ways in which he appears on screen that makes people's connections personal and specific? I saw a tweet, actually, uh, that a friend of mine retweeted that he embodies this South Asian masculinity that is rarely seen but is, is very endemic and common on the ground. Um, mm. This kind of gentle, contained power and sensuality. Um, and, you know, I, I, so I think part of what his appeal was, his mag magnetic kind of charge, is that he 
was both very unique in, you know, in the realm of actors, in, in what he projected, what he brought to the screen, but also very representative in a lot of ways of a kind of real world um, set of qualities. He is like this uncle I know, you know, but who, who nobody else has seen, but mm. who maybe I, you know, I've admired or something. There, there was something, yeah, very, I, I mean, I put, said this in my piece, very like every man, which is how Mira Nair, who the kind of very well-known director who directed him in Namesake, she described him as able to pull off this every man sort of relatability, but then actually he was really extraordinary to look at. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's that that thing that some people have where they feel accessible, and of course they're not. You know, like they're right. special. So I think that was what he had. I think you all describe it as a an air of dualism in the piece, because then the mm -hmm. I think the other half of that is I was I was watching um, this week I was watching a chat show where he was introduced as the coolest man in Indian cinema. I was watching a round <laughs> table of Bollywood actors where everyone else at the table kept deferring to him and looking to him and staring at mm -hmm. him. And at one point he even said, I think, um, if I could do this life over, I don't know if I would act. Sometimes mm -hmm. acting is boring. And everyone <laughs> else was like, what? And then they just it's moved so on from he's it. He's like too cool for school. He's like, he's the cool kid, you know, but he doesn't, he doesn't assert that everyone else just recognizes that. I, actually, there was a really good uh, Tom Hanks quote about him that, was sort of circulating. I think Mindy Kaling tweeted it and it went viral. Right. I mean, he called him the coolest guy in the room. Um, they, they, they did Inferno together. Uh, right. And Tom Hanks is an interesting, he had maybe, I mean, he doesn't have quite that quality, but he's sort of untouchable, right? Like he's, he doesn't have to tell you how big or great or talented he is. Um, totally. And so he in the, the quote is about him being used to being the coolest guy in the room. And then suddenly there was Irfan Khan. So let's talk about Piku, because I was really happy to watch it this week um, after after reading your piece. And, and there's a way in which um, the characters of Bashkor and, and Piku are so um, kind of performatively phased by everything. Mm. And Irfan just gets to be like the foil to that with a, like a lot of calm. Something I tried to bring out was this idea that there was a there's a parallel kind of friction in that movie, not only between the characters, as you point out, Piku and Bashkor being kind of very neurotic and and having a lot of energy inside of them, very sort of um, tumultuous energy inside of them, versus Irfan Khan's character Rana Chaudhary. Then there's also like a parallel between. The performers in real life. So Deepika Padukone, who plays Piku, and Amitabh Bachchan, who plays uh, Bhaskar, they're they're obvious star material. And I think, um, you know, their roles in their movies tend to have this prison to it. There, there's there's a lot of hoopla, and it's they're, they're big yeah. events, you know. And him just yet again seeming to be like unfazed. I mean, I can't imagine the movie feeling as balanced, you know, without him, you really need him there, obviously, but um, in terms of energy. Right. Like, yeah. Let's talk about his, his looks a little bit. Cause I, I would agree with, 
with you and your colleague that he's a strikingly handsome man. And even in a movie like The Lunchbox where, mm. you know, he's he's maybe aged up or maybe he's sort of like actually playing his current age and he has mm. like a, a mustache that makes him seem just kind of plain. By the middle of the movie, you're like, this guy's really handsome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, Especially in comparison um, to like the other people around him always, you know. What traditional Bollywood beauty standards is he veering away from? It goes so deep. It's the, the Bollywood beauty standard, I would say, you know, veers towards a very sort of Europeanized, you know, the light skin is favored, um, a kind of, at this point, I would say a sort of perfection is favored. You wear your status on your face, you know, you, you look better than everyone else that that's important. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the point about him in relation to the people around him, like he often plays these characters who are kind of, well, in the lunchbox, let's say he's, he's a cog in the wheel. He's a, he's a, he's um, a government employee. And so, and there's nothing glamorous about that work, you know? And so I'm trying to think of maybe an analogous, um, you know, performer, in the West, who's able to play these sort of, to, to, to fit into these mundane environments, but are clearly elevating them just by being there physically. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like a Carrie Mulligan type of thing, oh, you know, where it's like that a lot. Yeah. Like she's clearly extraordinary looking, but there's something plain too. There's something that just allows her to to fit into any environment. If you were putting together an Irfan Khan syllabus, uh what what movies would you would you want to be on it? <laughs> um that's a great question. I certainly Piku, um mm-hmm. certainly The Lunchbox, Pan Singh Tomar, which I actually just watched in kind of preparation to talk for talking to you. Uh, I wasn't sort of drawn to that movie initially when it came out, but I think he is, I I read there was a little New York times like squib review about the movie. And um, the last line is just about how Irfan Khan is impossible to stop looking at. Um, You just can't take your eyes away from him. And I think it's sort of an origin story for a villain in a way for a real life villain. Um, but it's humanizing. So it, it's it's about this this man, Pan Singh Tomar, who was he won awards for India um, as a runner uh, across the world. Like he he went to Tokyo for these international games and was kind of a, a very um, a scrappy, poor, just striver. Um, he the 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 story goes that he he got into sports because you were fed more food. Um, in sports than the army. And so he, he wanted more food. Um, So, you know, literally hungry person. And then, um, and then he had a a brief army career, a brief army career, and he ended up um, becoming a, a dacoit or a rebel, uh, which is essentially a sort of a bandit, someone who's acting against the government. Um, And, he did that for there, there are sort of several turning points in his story where you can see why he developed a kind of deep sense of betrayal, um, by the government. 
what Irfan Khan brings to the role is, and this was kind of mentioned in a lot of the reviews, he doesn't over romanticize the man. He doesn't give him this like otherworldly nobility. Um, Mm -hmm. But you do just see the person, you know, who, who you're able to see, you know, why for any person, these kinds of experiences that he undergoes would produce extreme reactions. And there's no kind of didacticism to what he's trying to do. You don't get the feeling that he wants you to leave being like, the government's bad. And this, you know, it's just, it's just the story of a man. Malika, I wanted to, I was looking back on other features you had written in recent years. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask, so you wrote this great piece a, a couple years ago um, when Priyanka Chopra and, and Nick Jonas were getting married about uh, the, the two different internets, like the American internet and the Indian internet and, and the ways in which they were sort of like ships passing and like uh, specifically Americans though, not understanding the celebrity of Priyanka Chopra and, and vilifying her in all in all sorts of ways or ignoring her. Um, but I wonder if you saw those in perhaps not as fraught a way. Did you see those kind of two internets pop up again around Irfan Khan's passing? Wow, that's funny because I didn't, and I I think it's that's what he was he he had. You know, he was he's been praised at this point as kind of the only performer out of India to really in a significant way, make it in Hollywood. And, and then, and you know, that means something very subtle. It means he was respected, you know, Mm -hmm. as a performer. And you can see that in all of the reviews, the reviews take him seriously as an actor, you know, whether it's in the times or the guardian. Um, And that is, I have not seen that treatment, for, you know, given to any actor or actress out of out of India. Um, when they, you know, this was when he was alive, he was unique, and and when he was, died, I think as well, there was a unique sort of harmony in how people mourned him. I mean, I, you know, sure. like I even so, there's the internet, which you see. I mean, of course, there there were probably more certainly more complex responses, I think, out of the, out of Indian media, out of uh, mostly Twitter, I would say, like, I I saw a lot of really good takes um, on Twitter from Indian people. Um, But I did get the feeling like, even when I was like texting friends or um, the responses to my piece, that, you know, non Indian people, they said all the right things. Like they, they got what was so extraordinary about him um, in a way that like, I didn't have that, that feeling of, of being, of seeing two worlds. Like it was like, Oh no, we all inhabit mm. the same space right now. Like we all can recognize what this man brought, you know, to the screen. Yeah. I, I do wonder if, even if um, lots of uh, American folks were unfamiliar with um you know, a lot of his uh, Bollywood work, there was something about at least the Hollywood work we got from him that was like, who is this guy? There's got to be, totally. there, there's, there's more here. That's so, yes, exactly. That was kind of the conversation that I had with my editor who actually is, she's white. Um, it was, I think it was after Jurassic World or something. And she was just like, right. which is, you know, like he has this 
somewhat minor. Well, I wouldn't, it's not exactly minor, but it's not a role that is, you know, going to obviously showcase a man's talent. Uh, you know, it's not a great part. It's not a great part, but it's, but he brought this, you know, he's mesmerizing. There's just something yeah. about him. And she felt that watching him. I, I think she, she was one of those people who was like, I, I've seen him before and there's something about yeah. him, you know? Um, and that was Jurassic world. So yeah, I think it's very, you know, my, a friend of mine, an excellent writer, Maya Xan, he wrote a piece in the Atlantic about a, a, a sort of, I, it, it really gives a sense of the span of Irfan Khan's career. Um, and he made this point at the end that, you know, we didn't, we're cheated out of seeing what he would have done as an older actor in that next stage of his life, um, sixties, seventies, even eighties. He's that type of physicality that every stage of life will be interesting, will be beautiful, you know? And I Mm -hmm. think, and, and beyond physicality, just depth of, of soul, um, so yeah, there is something, it, he was someone who had so much and that, that is really tragic that we will never have seen that, you know. I want to pick back up on, on something we were talking about there. I, I do think that by and large, a lot of the, the Hollywood roles that he got, as amazing it is that he got them and how singular that appeared to be, a lot of those parts like it's cool that he worked with Tom Hanks. Inferno is a terrible movie. <laughs> like that's not a great yeah. part. And I, I wonder, um, in a, in a, in a fantasy world where, were there, was there like a, a Hollywood part or a property or a project where you, where you think like, Oh, he would have been great for oh. that. I guess. I mean, I don't know if you've watched any of the in treatment episodes that he was in. I haven't, but you, you mentioned, yeah, I mentioned movies. them. I mean, what I found really, what I loved about in treatment, I almost think my answer to your question is like the movies haven't been written yet that he would have really soared in mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, because what they would have been, and this is in treatment gets at this, the closest that I've seen uh, is he's just an Indian man in America. Like, you know, in, in treatment, he's, he walks into Gabriel Byrne's office. I forget the name of Gabriel Byrne's character, but, um, and he's he has problems like everybody else who walks in there and he's you start to understand the context of his life which is you know reflective of him being indian and an immigrant in the country but that is not sort of the reason he's interesting um and i think like i think of my father or or just people i know and i haven't seen roles written at this point that really you know, truly allow for like an Indian person to just be normal mm-hmm. um, and just sort of be the person. And then, oh yeah, they happen to have these, this kind of window dressing in their life. Um, but yeah, he, to me, he would have done really well in, you know, a movie that I, I don't know, that's just, doesn't have an agenda sure that's not concerned with casting him for yeah yeah and i love i I, that's why i really love the in treatment episodes that he's in because people are interesting just by virtue of being people like we all can walk into a therapist office and be very interesting you know and so yeah that that 
that is beautiful to me. I mean, I almost think, yeah, the problem with Hollywood is any role he'd be cast in, he would be the brown man. And that yeah. is just, I don't know, it would compromise the role probably. Mm-hmm. Malika, my last question for you here is, uh, do you think your family will watch Piku again this year? Oh, I mean, if we're able to c- c- congregate in a room together, which is the first thing I'm not sure of. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and I'm really hoping it happens. Um, definitely. I mean, we watch Piku. So now it's been several years now that we've religiously watched it. But we watch it several times over the course of... Oh, of really? That. Yeah. Like, it's... I don't know how to explain... I mean, everything about that movie, the fact that it's so obsessed with digestion and like bowel movements and well i was so tickled realizing like on thanksgiving it's your annual tradition to uh, watch yeah. an indigestion well, like, movie <laughs> we're my family is a south indian kannadiga family we we are like bowel movements are a primary topic of conversation anyways okay um and which is like it's really funny even in lunchbox i love that um I'm forgetting now what the, oh, he talks about how bananas are good for his, his digestion at one point. And it's like, again, that's the sort of every man, like he's a, he's a, in that movie, he's a love interest, but this is partially just, I would say like an Indian sort of sensibility, but that is such a major part of life that I think, yeah, with Piku, it's just, it's that it's, it's, it's him and it's, the the rancor between people which is also very indian so as a thanksgiving you know thanksgiving is a holiday where you're with family we are enacting like all the same dynamics ourselves so it is absolutely the most perfect thanksgiving movie well very good uh i hope you i hope you guys get together around and watch it um Thank Malika, you. thanks so much for for appearing on the show and talking it means a Thank lot you so much yeah again for having me i really appreciate it india anandi I suppose in the end, the whole of life becomes an act of letting go. But what always hurts the most is not taking a moment to say goodbye. Chance, what a wonderful conversation that was. Thank you. Uh, Thanks again to Malika for coming on the show. Uh, It was very helpful to hear from someone who knows all about Indian cinema and has appreciated his work for a long time. Because I think we grew to appreciate it a lot this week. For sure. I, w- I would say, not to spoil my reactions to these movies, but I would say I was so like positively surprised by what they offered. Yeah, it's pretty... To hear like a, a bunch of people just be like, this guy was one of the best living actors, and to not really know his work you're always going to have that slight bit of dubiousness having nothing to do with him, but you're just like, how is that true? I I don't know anything about this guy. And then to watch, I watched four and a half movies and was impressed through every second of everyone. It's like, this guy's amazing. Yeah. I got to admit, I even watched a couple episodes uh, on Malika's uh, recommendation of in treatment. Oh, cool. Is he great in that? Yeah. It's a great, I mean, it's an unbelievable part in which his thing is not speaking. He's very good at not speaking. Before we get into these movies, I think it's such a an interesting 
part of this guy's, this actor's thing that he can play any age at any time. So like before we even get into like what these movies are about, he goes from playing a 20 year old to like a 65 year old, like back to a 40 year old in the course of three years. In these movies, he could be anywhere between 30 and 60. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's such a chameleon that yeah. it, it, you can make him really handsome and be that like romantic comedy lead if you want him to, or you can make him like look really athletic or into like a sort of a rebel leader mm-hmm. uh, or a guy who like hasn't been to the gym in 20 years and like hasn't played cricket in 20 years and just like eats and calculates on a piece of paper until he retires. Right. Like it's such a, such a broad range of things he's doing but it's it's always singularly him yeah which is great like no matter what age yeah he has that wisdom to him but also that sort of unexpected like this guy could be up to anything right now you talked about the wisdom that comes across in his performances a a bizarre and maybe a little heady but go with me on this like commonality of all these movies and some of his other famous roles is he always plays characters who are extraordinarily insightful at processing their lives and like what it means to be alive. He does a version of that in all of these movies today. Um, He does that in the namesake, which I watched for fun. He's also tremendous in that. That's completely his role in life of Pi. He's so good at it. He processes and changes his mind about somebody else's life in Slumdog Millionaire. And even in the interviews that he gives, it's, he left behind a lot of poetic comments that in the wake of his passing seem to resonate of like, this is a, like a man who knew how fragile and interesting and glorious and fleeting life could be. So like every comment that he made to that effect rings out so strong in his death. And I don't know if that's just because he's very intelligent and really like savored the too short of time that he had on this planet. But I also think it runs counter to how we engage with most movie stars. Most movie stars make us think constantly about time, whether they are fighting back against it like Tom Cruise or are hyper aware of what stage of their career they're in, like a Robert Redford. Um, They make us think about like age, age, age. Is it coming? Am I beating it? Do I still look good for it? And Irfan just had a way of always directing you more toward lived experience. I think what makes him like movie star quality here is the fact that he has that thing that you're describing that, you know, attracts us to him as a star. And it's kind of like the, I don't really care kind of thing. And even in interviews too, he has that air of, I would rather be doing anything else right now. And I think that's part of the illusion, right? Of these movie stars is that like they're living these lives and like they do this thing It's and it's just a job and it doesn't really matter to them. And they're like good at it because they are and not, mm-hmm. there's no other artifice like in their celebrity. And he has that, that thing about him where it's just like, God, like you're just so cool. And like, you know, you're good. And let me just watch you work. Sure. He kind of reminds me, I feel like a, another interesting analogy would be Philip Seymour Hoffman mm. mm-hmm. and how we were similarly robbed of like his third act as an actor. It's very true. 
Yeah, I've got some comparisons. Coming coming up with Western analogs is like a project in and of itself, but I'm going to do so in Ponsing Tomar too. So you want to jump into that one? Let's jump in. Ponsing Tomar, 2012. On Netflix currently. The story of Ponsing Tomar, an Indian athlete and seven-time national steeplechase champion who becomes one of the most feared bandits after his retirement. So it's a biopic. It's based on the crazy life of a of a real man. And as you rightfully told me via text, like the fact that this guy's life contains so much leads this movie to trying to wrap its arms around some very different kinds of movies in two hours on the dot. For sure. Yeah, it really tries to be both Chariots of Fire and uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid in the same movie, which is certainly a, like a, an incredibly ambitious goal. Right. Yeah, it's true. It, the movie does make good on like the one thing you want where it's like, if he's such a good runner, there had better be a part where he's a bandit where he like runs super well for a purpose and it it makes good on that oh absolutely yeah you know that scene's coming pretty early on if anything i kind of wanted the movie to be a bit more of the chariots of fire because i feel like maybe in its effort to stay at a not crazy runtime you really only see him run two races and then i guess you can consider like the the scene where he delivers the ice cream before it melts to be like the third. Right. But I guess from reading the synopsis right now, I wouldn't know from the movie that he's a seven time national steeplechase champion. Yeah, You don't quite understand what a big deal he is. Although maybe a lot of his resentment seems to be the fact that people close to him critical people in his family and sheriffs and officials that he relies on for justice just don't think that he's that big of a deal. Maybe he wasn't. Well, that's, I think an interesting thing that you have to reconcile by appreciating this or to appreciate this movie is you have to throw out the Western idea of what an athlete is Mm -hmm. and you have to sort of relearn that these guys are almost like, essential workers being thrown out there with inadequate supplies given no recognition really and scolded if they don't make the home country look good this is a critical point on your part there is never a sense that he makes a dollar off his athletic career no he makes almost nothing just he like gets room and board or something with the army. And that's the interesting thing too, is that their athletes are seen as an extension of their military force, mm-hmm. which is sort of fascinating. And then also the guilt that you'll get into between the sports part of this movie and the bandit part of this movie is that he never served really. Like he didn't have his war. Like his war was running races for seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we should say that this uh, story starts in 1950, ends in 1981, I think. Um, so, yeah, mid-20th 
century India. And also, so it takes place in the this central province that's much more rural than either of the other. I mean, the other, our other two movies today are mostly in Delhi, Mumbai, and Calcutta. You've got some some epic dusty vistas going on in this one. But yeah, it sort of puts him up against history as well when India became independent in 1947. And also like knowing that that is like a cultural marker in many of these sorts of stories is important to to realize. It's like the, I mean, like the equivalent of the Great Depression or World War II in a European or American sense. Let's talk about all the stuff Irfan Khan has to do in this movie and how he pulls it off. He's a, like a naturally gifted, like Bo Jackson, folklorically good athlete. Um, and the steeplechase, by the way, because I don't think I would have known what the steeple... Do you know what the steeplechase was before this? No, I couldn't have told you what it is, but it's sort of like a mix of... It's adapted like, from uh, an equestrian event, is what they say in the movie. Right. Somewhere between like Tough Mudder and uh, Hurdles. Uh, and, other, and otherwise is a... Just a 3,000-meter race in between that. Just a 3,000-meter race. Um, what Do you buy him being athletic? Not in the way that this movie is trying to say. And there's a very specific reason why. Because when you see him run with the other people, he's running well, but it looks like he's trying very hard to outpace them. And it looks like the other people are not trying. And according to the vision of the character as someone who you know, that, that small town, um, like legendary, I mean, he's almost like a, like a Pecos Bill figure or something. Um, for sure. It should look like everyone else is trying really hard and he's not, and he's still kicking their ass and it looks funny. Yeah. I think there's a really spirited showing by the extras around him pretending that he's a superior athlete to them. Yeah. Um, I'm glad this movie isn't too like Disney-ified though. Sure. Like, you don't want him to, like, the, you know, the sort of golden sunlight paints him as he, like, strides in slow motion or something. Like, I liked that it they were wide shots of interesting things happening. And then, of course, you cut to a close-up of him, like, jumping over the steeple, which right. is good. Yeah, you got to cut it. They definitely, like, cut around the jumps. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, it should be said that he's playing like a gifted what 29 year old athlete and he's like 47 in this movie so like he's given it his all i think the performance he ends up giving here is somewhere between let's throw out some more analogs this is somewhere between like paul newman and like benicio del toro um and i don't even mean paul newman on the butch cassidy side it's more like paul newman on the athletic side when he's a younger man like he's very He's very moral and can be very distant, and it's kind of like um, Newman in uh, Somebody Up There Likes Me, like the Rocky Graziano picture. Um, and then by the time he becomes that bandit in the woods, he he does kind of remind me of Benicio and Che or something. He has this sort of like... I, that's a great reference. I was going to say that this movie definitely saw Steven Soderbergh's Che uh, parts one and two. Right, right. Because it has a very similar framing... Um, I also love the, just love the narrative framing device of famous guy talking to like easily rattled journalist <laughs> as a setup to how we got to this moment. And this movie delivers on, I think the journalist guy is so funny and weird and 
like He's clearly so like not like a good journalist, just like somebody given this task that they like cannot comprehend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, to be able to bridge like Numa no del Toro, he does every, he does everything in this movie. Like at times he is almost um, uh, frighteningly direct or like ironically blunt in his relationship with his wife, which we should talk about. And then at times he's like a very traditional leader of men. Um, he can be very scary. He can be very winning. Um, the things he's able to toggle between in a biopic where everything is focused on him is remarkable. Yes. And he almost like loses his mind, I would say, by the end. It's sort of a heart of darkness kind of movie as well, where when you get to that speech at the end about the that's the finish line over there and like nobody will say that Pan Singh Tomar didn't cross it. Yeah. Like is just is so far gone. It's it's like like Norma Desmond at the end of Sunset Boulevard, like thinking she's actually making a real movie. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> Totally. And I think the framing device is very useful because, again, this is a Irfan Khan character processes his life. But I think he actually does use the interview to process the things that he has had trouble making sense of so far because you see him like in his military career. When somebody explains corruption to him for the first time, he it's not like he's like, I know what that is. I'm on the lookout for that. No way. He's just like corruption. I don't get that i don't think i'll be partaking um and so a lot of his anger especially toward his uh it's his cousin right oh yeah to seize that guy guy sucks ruthlessly tries to seize his his land and his crop and ends up like beating his mother nearly to death but when he gets to have his you know awards reel moment of freaking out it's just like you know, what did I ever do to you? Why did you do this? Where did I go wrong? It feels like he's really asking. He doesn't understand the the like the sin and the shades of gray of this world. He's a very righteous man. But that's what but that's what I think is interesting both about the character and the performance is that like it doesn't necessarily have to it doesn't have to be this incredibly you know saint-like figure who caused something to happen that changed history forever it's here's just like this flawed guy who had maybe two skills to his name who found himself up against history yeah the the, his most common spoken refrain in here is no one is a rebel by choice of just like this is what i brought to the table this is what life and the government gave back to me here i am in a ravine kidnapping people (laughs) to stay alive i love that as like their primary gambit to make money it's just like kidnapping anybody yeah and And then when people can't pay they just kidnap them (laughs) so i think he's wonderful in this movie i think the directing is unfortunately like pretty slapdash at times um i texted you that it gets in a hurry at really weird times. And I'm not like totally just talking about, you know, having to turn the corner into another chapter of his life, but just like a scene that according to any tenant of epic filmmaking should breathe. Like, you know, when he first decides to be a bandit and he's thinking about whether he's got to kill his own cousin and he looks out at the Vista and it's like a 180 degree pan around his head at the sunset. And you're like, 
let's let's sit in this for a second and the director just cuts away halfway through the pan and it's like what what are we doing and it replaces that with like montages that are set to just the weirdest the music cues in this movie are also really bad um and it just cranks it in like 10 second intervals it's just like holy shit let this scene breathe absolutely there are so many scenes where Irfan is about to like do acting that for some reason there's like that blade on blade noise that indicates like troubles of foot like right which you know when like the raptor enters the the uh, the kitchen in Jurassic Park or something like that kind of noise it's like okay yeah, just let him do the right. the stoic sad face do we want to explain our rating system before we raid Ponsing Tomar on Be Real we rate movies in two categories a good or bad for technical quality and a good or bad for watchability so what are the four possible ratings I don't care. Good, good movies are both well-made and highly entertaining. The Fugitive, Parasite, Rear Window, or The Hunt for Red October. Once more, we play our dangerous game. Good, bad movies are often impressive technically, but also tough sits. Historical melodramas like The Mission, horror movies too scary or gross to rewatch, or self-serious musicals like Yentl. Papa, can you hear me? Conversely, bad good movies are highly flawed but still gratifying. Nonsensical hangouts like Hot Tub Time Machine or ludicrously fun action fare like Twister or Stargate. In my regards to King Todd, asshole. Bad bad movies are neither well-made nor entertaining. Examples we've covered unfortunately include Garden State, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Attack of the Clones. I'm deeply sorry, master. Got all that? Time for a rating. I think this one's ultimately a good bad. I think it's a well-made movie, um, but especially in the context of these three, I think it's the least enjoyable to just like sit down and watch. I mean, I'm glad I watched it once, and it's a great performance at the heart of it. And I think it is, you know, if you are doing a retrospective on Irfan's career, definitely check it out on Netflix. But yeah, it's I wouldn't return to this one of all three. Totally. It feels like it is endowed with great prestige, unlike the other two, because prestige is not really what makes him a great actor to watch. And in some ways, if the director, Tigmanchudulia, would just kind of let him be a little bit more, it might actually be more watchable. It's also crazy to say that maybe someone's life is too interesting for a movie. But this one so is, interesting, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so interesting, it's like it's hard to wrap one's one's head around. Um, so yeah, give it a watch. It's on Netflix, but I'm going to join you in the good bad. So going to the following year, uh, Irfan's 30 years older than he was at the end of Pan Singh Tomar, and now he's playing this insurance claims guy. Uh, a mistaken delivery in Mumbai's famously efficient lunchbox delivery system, which is an incredible part of this movie. Apparently. Yeah, the double wallet connects system. a young, yes, connects a young housewife to an older man in the dusk of his life as they build a fantasy world together through notes in the titular lunchbox. lunch <laughs> Auntie, Play in front of this door again. I'll chase you down the street. 
कल खाली डब्बा भेजने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया आज भेज रही हूँ पनीर मेरे हस्बैंड का फेवरेट इला हस्बैंड कल रात बहुत देर से आए वो कुछ नहीं बोले प्रोसेस पोर्न ऑफ द लंच बॉक्स गेटिंग टू द डेस्क यस इनक्रेडिबल एंड इट्स सच अ फनी for how fastidious it is it's so funny that like it's all a mistake right the fact that like this lunchbox is so reliably going to the wrong person is what fuels the movie well it's just like a little blip in the in the whole system there that causes this like one corruption that leads to this you know fantastic meeting of two souls looking for a looking for a pen pal indeed well i would argue too you call this like a funny epistolary story and an epistolary relationship between uh the irfan khan character and ila but really like most of the relationships in her life are sort of epistolary in one way or another like you kind of have the off-screen auntie who's like in the apartment above them mm-hmm. and she's only realized physically by this this uh basket that like comes down the from the window either to request items or to uh to to give them as a like a gift or uh, an encouragement while she's cooking which is great such a cool thing and also with her husband too he like comes in at night and then is like is gone by morning right and like the daughter who's who's observing this whole thing and sort of it almost feels like she's recording it This movie is written and directed um by Ritesh Batra who US audiences might know he adapted um The Sense of an Ending a couple years ago which was which was okay um but this movie feels like a real like a real achievement in the sense of I cannot believe it's not adapted from a novel. Um the fact that he that yeah. uh, that Batra just wrote this as a script and directed it is a uh, indie like indie drama filmmaking of the highest order. Right. Well, there's something about how like interesting the process at the core of it is. It screams of like uh writer director where you can tell the ideas on like a visual level and also like a writing dramatic level in total harmony to create something like wholly unique. Totally. It doesn't have that thing that you're used to seeing in, I don't know, say like a more uh Austenian like letter driven adaptation where the movie just doesn't know what the fuck to do with how much writing there is and they're like well we right. have to get this part in but this movie is so attuned to the fact that the the letters are short and you have time for maybe a 1 to 2 minute um like a modest flashback or a cut into a different interaction but it never gets too indulgent with the like and i am reading a letter and i'm reading a letter you are as excited for them to hear what they have to say to each other in these snippets as the characters are at least i was for sure and i think all the character wants and needs like make a lot of sense 
and the relationships, how they like sort of rub against each other and create friction makes a lot of sense. And that to me says like the script was thought out in a way that like gave all the characters that we interact with, like some real thing to hold on to, which is kind of rare in movies. (laughs) (laughs) So let's describe uh, Irfan Khan's performance and his character in this movie. Yeah. Old widower uh, in the last month of his job, he's yeah he's like a he fills out claims for i guess some sort of insurance company it's amazing what slicked back hair and a mustache can do for making you seem not sexy and yet sure he's also like maybe 30 or 40 pounds heavier but like not heavy just sort of like paunchier a little which is like the transformation is pretty incredible from the tomar right but yeah, but the, I, there's sort of this dual inciting incident, with which I think is a smart narrative move of introducing not only this wrong lunch showing up and the relationship that develops over this device that goes back and forth between them, but also the guy showing up to be trained. Mm-hmm. So there's like this young guy who sort of appears and he's, you know, still wet behind the ears, came from wherever. And he has to, Irfan has to hand off whatever thing he was doing very, very well to him and just like can't be bothered to think about what that process would look like of training him. So kind of blows him off, which then pushes them even further together. It's true. Um, so that's shake that you're talking about, um, played by, uh, Nawazuddin Siddiqui, who also betrayed him in Pan Singh Tomar. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What I love is that, Irfan never plays Mr. Fernandez as just a a crank that the movie is like this well this nice young man and falling in love is going to make him not a crank. He just goes from sort of like unavailable proverbial clock punching clerk who got good at his job 30 years ago and like never wanted to think about it again to having thoughts and feelings that he does have like the letters reveal quite the interiority of a man um but there's nothing contrived about the way he starts being nice to people it's just all of a sudden he kind of like wakes up and realizes oh there's a couple people i could actually share what's going on inside this movie also introduces for me this kind of fascinating phenomenon of characters speaking in like an English and Hindi hybrid that by like 20, 30 minutes into the movie, you feel a chance. You texted me about this. You feel like you speak Hindi when you certainly do not. When I really realized like that was happening to me and what an idiot I was, I like found an interview that was like all in Hindi. And there's a part of me that's like, well, I'll try. Um, And then, Oh yeah. You think you picked it up? You're a moron. (laughs) Let's, can we talk about the food? Oh, my God. Love the food. Love watching her make the food. Then I'm just, like, mesmerized by the food physically getting to the desk. And then... The incredible prop that is the Tiffin? Yes. Him unconstructing un- this thing and then setting his table and, like, serving himself the these beautiful, like, vibrantly colored like vegetables and sauces and curries and things is unbelievable. I love the sense too, of just like what part of the Tiffin is the note in. 
And then when it's so often like in the bread, of course, because it's not in the curry. I mean, that would be fucking stupid. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's such a like anticipation builds throughout the movie, right? Of like, is how much are they going to reveal with this correspondence? Or is this the one where one of them closes it down or shuts it off? And the fact that you have like a tactile uh, opening and unstacking system to get to the note is so great. As the movie goes on, you see how much his heart is opening by how he can't, like, wait to open the lunchbox until he gets to the lunchroom. Yeah. So much so that, like, people notice him going for the lunchbox. And also, presumably, it, like, smells wonderful. It's so interesting to see a movie that can take a sort of domestic chore that I think, like, especially in an American context, has some real baggage of, like, a husband or a wife cooking for her husband and it manages to like sentimentalize it and give it like weight and reality in this way of like, this is somebody who can actually like appreciate like what I pour my life into. And the scene where auntie's like, if your husband, if Rajiv doesn't notice that he's not eating your food, like fuck him, he doesn't deserve you. For sure. Well, it's sort of interesting too in this particular moment that we all find ourselves you know, up until eight weeks ago or whatever, like my lunchbox movie was like a 15 second quibby, me nuking some chicken in the microwave and then like going back to my desk. Yeah. But now I feel like in this space, being stuck in my apartment, like I've done a lot more cooking, like especially during the day and like really like feeling that feeling of like, oh my God, here's a hot prepared thing that like arrived for me that was like cooked in a home. Like there's something, this movie really like struck a chord with the, what lunch has become. Does it bring you uh, a sense of joy when like Lucy is like very sort of like satiated and thankful for the food? Cause I know you love to cook. Yeah, no, that I love both of those things. Very true. Brings you like a sense of accomplishment, and it does. Yeah, I think that as somebody who's often on the receiving end of the food, like I try as often as I can to be like, do you have any idea, Sarah, like how much richer and better and healthier my life is because you want to do this and are good at this? Like people who cook for other people, it is it is the giving of life. It is not. I like a movie that's not like, yeah, her life. She deserves a lot better. But this task in and of itself is not subjugating and is life-giving. I was, I was actually looking at like a YouTube comment on clips I was rewatching where they were like, uh, Nimrod Kaur is, is like totally like at his level and is like right there with Irfan Khan and it's super impressive. And I was like, yeah, she is great in this movie. That's so true. And then I realized like they're, they're never, they never interact. Like the movie totally tricked me into believing in this kind of like cosmic way that they were in the same scenes and they're not classic way for a writer director to get two big stars into his movie is uh, uh, shoot them completely separately there you go there you go wow that's very uh very pragmatic cynical viewpoint by you but true call me an ignorant american but part of me longed for a more like you've got mail sort of climax sure i get that um that being said um think this movie's an easy good good yeah i think it's a good good as well um also just a great understated like urban alienation movie um none of the you're seeing mumbai without any of the sensationalism with which we westerners 
ignorant white westerners have encountered it through a movie like Slumdog Millionaire, which Danny Boyle likes to sensationalize. We we know, um, but it's it's kind of the same concern, right? Um, it's just like the city's moving too fast, growing too much. Uh, Fernandez is like everybody wants what the other one has, and has gotten across through this beautiful um, symbol of his wife having been buried in a traditional plot and then he goes to buy his own plot and they're like, we can only bury you vertically. Which, like, if there was ever a more <laughs> disturbing sense of overpopulation, that's, uh, that could be it. Yeah. As a former subway rider myself, and I hope to return to my glorious MTA one of these days, but I do relate to the feeling of thinking an old woman's like cupping your scrotum and actually it's just like the knapsack of the guy in front of you. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of wisdom about uh, life in a city. For sure. Okay, should we finish out with Piku? Piku. 2015. A quirky comedy about the relationship between a daughter and her aging father whose eccentricities drive everyone crazy. <laughs> Hey, Pico! Huh? I flashed my pony in my head. Semi-liquid motion first, then two days of gas and constipation. What should I do? Ye koi message hota hai dene ke liye office mein? Huh? Subha ke dhup pe isi ki dastakhat ke the clip of the dialogue and sharpness of the bickering um, which basically comprises the first like 15 minutes of the movie non-stop uh Bashkor, the old man and piku his daughter they just go at it in a way that i I think like maybe Meyerowitz stories is one of the oh, few for movies sure. where it's like, I can't fucking believe the special effect that is this verbose anger. I love it. It's a little, it takes a second to like get used to it and like physically read that quickly. I know that yeah. when I rented it on iTunes movies, like the captions physically like could not keep up with the conversation. Totally. Totally. But it's great. Like once you, get it in your ear it's great absolutely and i talked to malika about this so we don't have to belabor the point but the fact that the first 15 minutes of the movie is these people screaming at each other with such skill and then irfan khan playing rana chaudhry who's the owner of this taxi stand shows up with his irfan khan serenity it's just like what it's like somebody got dropped into a she she uh Malika compared Boshkor to a Larry David type figure and it is like if you put Jim Halpert in Seinfeld it's just like where's this guy coming from Yeah Incredible. totally different way of being 
That's funny. Yeah. And we should state pretty early on, I mean, as was alluded to in the interview, this movie's all about like this guy who just needs to shit real bad. Yes. Um, Boshkor is totally constipated. Every conversation surrounds it. And the hardest laugh of the movie for me is um, Rana's driving them from Delhi to Calcutta, which is not a drive for the faint of heart. And he goes, is this the, are bowel movements the only topic you discuss all day? And you who've been watching the movie for an hour are like, yeah, this is how this works. I love that the, the subtitle is, uh, the motion is emotion. Right. <laughs> you know me, Chance, I love a road trip movie. And when this movie gets going, I think it's a little sluggish to start setting up their worlds. Um, and it's, I mean, this is just me and like whatever I'm coming in with, but Mm -hmm. to buy the sort of circumstantial, whatever that links Irfan Khan and Piku at the start, the fact that like she needs a taxi to go anywhere and like has become such a menace that the taxi drivers like won't pick her up because like she yells at them and they get into accidents. Right. It's like a little broad comedy for me. It's pretty Nancy Myers. Yeah. The money that they have and the problems that they have is also a really interesting contrast to like the other movies that we watch. I mean, they live in a nice house. They're, you know, Boshkor's worried about the help stealing the iPad. She works at a um an architecture she, firm yeah. and uh can't um you know, just like doesn't accept this this guy who's also a successful architect who like kind of wants to kind of wants to date her she's like unlucky in love but her dad's always just like she doesn't want love which is another really interesting dynamic Um, there's an incredible scene where she's talking to this young guy who's like a san francisco startup magnate or something yeah and the father comes over and he's like she's not a virgin and she's not looking for like an emotional marriage just like a partnership right he actually says my my daughter wants a needs-based partnership which totally flies in the face of everything you would expect about like a crotchy old man holding back his daughter's love life instead of being like you need to get married now like you need to follow traditions. You need a man. She's he's getting in the way by being like, my daughter's extremely pragmatic. <laughs> right. Like, Why? It's it's almost like he's the other end of that spectrum in that he can't, he like thinks she's like so above whatever role society would put on her that like he doesn't want her to participate at all. And so let's talk about Irfan Khan then. In this movie he has this sort of effortless honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a compliment he's he shares like a a a wardrobe with you where it's just like he looks i was just gonna say he wears a shirt really well yeah he wears a shirt and jeans very well maybe a blue blazer yeah if the occasion calls for it um and he's always down for a road trip this may just be me yeah sure um Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why I identified. But yeah, I think that's kind of the trick of the movie too, is putting someone, such a cool cucumber like Irfan Khan at the center of it and seeing how far it'll go until he like says, shut the fuck up to these people. And of course he does have that moment, which is great. He, at different points on this road trip, gives Boshkor these three different ways to think about solving his constipation, right? One is to 
like eat differently and he's sort of like he's trying to get him to slow down it's like a very folksy presentation of like you need to chew like a cow think about the food you eat versus the trash that americans eat and then like when that doesn't work he kind of does something different where he's got this sort of homespun wisdom about how to sit when you go to the bathroom so your intestines aren't in a you know aren't in a crunch and then at the end he just totally gives up and he's just like you know why you can't fucking shit because (laughs) you're being the worst human being maybe take that to heart as goofy as it was to like have that kind of like visual gag of the commode on the roof of the car yeah. as they're driving <laughs> this two day journey. Yeah. Uh, but I think that like 70 year old men, like they all have some version of that chair, but, but I'm, I, I think I'm literally talking about like a device that allows them to sit with more ease while they're pooping. Oh, okay. I did not know this. Just don't look too close in any of like your relatives' bathrooms. bathrooms or yeah, I've got an old family though. You may find some weird ovals sitting around. For sure. Okay. That <laughs> does that humor ever get old for you though? I don't really enjoy like excretory humor. I think, but I think the commitment to the bit. I think that's why that line really works for me where Rana says, is this really the only topic you discuss all day? Um, And it's like him realizing what I realized half an hour ago. And I think you just kind of like, you got to go with it. It's not my favorite, um, but Malika talked about just like, she says she comes from a South Indian family and this is like a topic of discussion. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it's no different like with my Jewish family and our medical problems. Sure. More like our neuroses and anxieties. But like, you know, some nausea in there, some constipation, especially around Passover. Matzah's not nice on the tush. And my family, where we smile at each other like everything's fine, it's not. <laughs> no wonder they've made so many pictures about your kind. They're right. <laughs> This one, I think I would actually like to rewatch because it, it felt like I, it took some time to tune into just the frequency and the clip of it. Um, I think it might be more rewarding. I think it might hit differently. Um, I, I also feel as though it's strange that, because I don't think Piku, Piku seems to me like the third most important character in the movie. And that's a little odd. Um, Although I do really... Considering she's the title character. Yes. Um, But I really buy into like what she and Rana are talking about by the end of the movie. And the fact that they're just like volleying uh, Badminton Birdie as friends when the the housekeeper comes back and the movie ends is, I think... Irfan Khan has really fascinating relationships with the women in these movies. Oh, for sure. I would say this is the best chemistry of the three. Um, But I guess I wanted Piku to like maybe have a little bit more going on like with her life. Like I think the movie pretty quickly is like, nope, she's got her dad and that's about it. But like she works at this seemingly prestigious architecture firm. Like you want to have like – I was waiting for a scene where she like couldn't go to the meeting or like do the presentation because of dad – kind of thing but that's all like not really surface level so much and because then i think she puts on a 
I want her arc to be bigger is basically what I'm saying. And so by setting her up at a place where it's like, Hey, there's this like fabulously successful young woman. Like, why doesn't she have a husband? Let's investigate. And here's the movie. Yeah. But like, it never really develops her being like successful. It, really just develops the neuroses so that there's not that much contrast for like where she is striving to be, if that makes any sense and how we reconcile like what she's giving out to the world and she wants, what she wants other people to think of her and like what is actually happening behind closed doors with her weird family. But I do think there are some really winning scenes. I mean, to turn back to the reason we're all here today in when Piku and Irfan Khan like fail to communicate with each other. Like there's that great scene where he's fixing the water pump or whatever. And she's like forcing conversation and then becomes self-aware that she's forcing conversation by saying that she's forcing conversation. And he like doesn't disagree with her. And she just kind of like steps back very slowly. And it's like, he, I mean, he's clearly like doing this thing and he's very physical and he's repairing this machinery, but like, God, the the shade that he's throwing her post his explosion is is pretty good for being totally under the surface. A related and reversed maybe bit of banter is where he's um he's sort of like I don't know, it's it's flirtatious. He's trying to get on her good side as they like finally kind of get a night like walking around uh off the road and he makes a comment that like seems sort of supportive of her gender and she goes do you really respect women or are you just trying to impress me and he in the ultimate kind of like movie star moment he goes isn't it written on my face and then we and she just kind of look at him for a little bit which is like that's a movie knowing what tricks its actors have and being like oh okay let's watch his face for a little bit try to read it which is the joy of your front con like I totally get where he's coming from, like not understanding her politics because of her weird banter with her dad. Right. But like when he comes into that scene where he's like, didn't like allowing women to drive liberate women? Like why aren't you driving? But I'll drive if you want me to. Cause like that's the chivalrous thing, but also you're paying me. And like, it's funny to watch him without stuttering, like sort of navigate those questions. Totally. Can we rate Piku? Piku, I think, is also a good good. Not as good good as the lunchbox, but a good good nonetheless. And I think if you're looking for, you know, that kind of Nancy Myers, somewhere between Meyerwitz and Myers lies Piku, where the people don't just fucking hate each other, but it's maybe not a broad comedy. That's very well said. I'm in total agreement. I think it's also a good good. Um So I want to wrap up by just pointing out one more thing that I think is amazing about Irfan Khan's range. Another really good movie that Malika recommended and a part that I think I have to, that I had to cut is movie, The Namesake, um, which is a Mira Nair movie from 2006. Again, it spans a lot of time. Irfan Khan goes from like 25 to 50. Um, He gets a great mustache. He grays. He looks tremendous through all of it. Um, but he ends up playing this father figure to Cal Penn of this, uh, this family that immigrates from India to, uh, I think it's Nyack, um, in New York, right? Is that in New York? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But he ends up becoming this, a sort of like framing device character for the movie where he is full of wisdom and perception and i'm gonna put the clip in at the end just like a flashback that is just so 
so emotional in the wake of his passing. Um, and it was amazing to compare that movie to Life of Pi, where he also plays like the framing device character. But the whole point is that like you look at this guy and he is so um, worn down and human that you're like, well, this guy sitting at this table with these bags under his eyes couldn't possibly be the guy who was on a boat for a year with a tiger. Like, that's not possible. And the fact that he can both play a framing device character with all the magnetism to make the whole movie sing, and then one that undercuts the fantastical nature of a whole movie is just like, who can turn it on and off like that? Who can live in both those worlds? He's amazing. I'm so glad we did this. Yeah, totally agree. Wonderful performer tragedy that he's gone. But nice to have this excuse to look at this person's career. Noah, my friend, it's been a pleasure going on this journey with you. Absolutely, my friend. Next week, let's watch some more movies and look at them critically. I'm in. See you soon. All this way, no picture. Huh? Igori. We just have to remember it then. Huh? Will you remember this day, Gogo? How long do I have to remember it? <laughs> ah, remember it always. Remember that you and I made this journey and went together to a place where there was nowhere left to go.